Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Dr. Joseph Ajaka is a cosmetic surgeon who specializes in liposuction and fat transfer, more commonly known as body contouring surgery. He works from Cosmos Clinic in Sydney that he established over 10 years ago and is regularly invited to share his experience on television, radio, and at major cosmetic conferences. Dr. Ajaka is a leader in his field and offers his patients some of the most effective and latest innovations in body contouring surgery. He's also a key opinion leader for Cool Sculpting, the world's leading non-surgical body contouring device. So, Joseph Ajaka, welcome. Thanks, David. Good <laughs> afternoon. Good to have you here. Yeah, it's been great to while. be here. Um, how has your day been? Busy? It's been busy, but uh, useful. Useful. What have you been up to? Operating? Yeah, we did a Brazilian butt lift. Uh, we did two other lipos. So, yeah, it's good. Very day. good. Jake was asking me about that procedure a little earlier. He wants to know. Yeah, He's got this getting pair a bit of jeans. Flat. <laughs> getting a bit cellulite <laughs> need, need it filled out a bit. Oh, gosh. Um, so, Dr. Ajaka, Joseph. Yes. We've met for the first time today. Um, tell us, well, about your clinic, first of all, and then, and then we can get into your training and, and how you mm. came to where you are now. So we run a clinic called Cosmos Clinic and primarily it's a body shaping clinic. And uh, we start off in Sydney and then we've moved to Canberra, Adelaide and the Gold Coast and um, hoping to sort of open to Melbourne this year. Uh, we've got a doctor on board who's Great. training with us. So hopefully we'll have that one um, covered if you like. Yes. Um, we, uh, we primarily have... Uh, body sculpting as the core treatment that we offer we offer invasive and non-invasive treatments for body sculpting yeah and with that we're talking about in layman's terms lipo or versions of that correct and right. fat transfer as okay well. so perfect shifting of you know shifting of fat yeah and i guess how does one train to do that and, and what's your background where, yeah. where did you start as a doctor so my background is anesthetics and intensive care um, and I think that's given me a great foundation for what I do today. Like yeah. the main principle in liposuction today is tumescent anesthesia. Right. And what does that mean for people who are listening? Yeah, tumescent anesthesia is the for using anesthetic fluid to separate the fat cells before sucking those fat cells out. Okay. And also the use of adrenaline to stop the bleeding from liposuction. Sure. So some people may have heard of the term twilight anesthetic, where you're sort of just about awake or full anesthetic yeah. is your you know your standard lipo as it were we'll come into the details later is that done under general anesthetic you have an option okay right. so we give you an option of both i still prefer to do it under twilight we most people don't remember nothing yes and it's easier to move the patient around and to see their shape and to assess their shape sure. you know general anesthetic doesn't come without its risks there's higher risks of blood clots when you move the patient you can cause they're all various sorts of problems. So, you know, 
most of the patients have twilight and they're yeah. very comfortable, but we have the option of a general anesthetic as well. I think um, there's a little bit of fear around the general anesthetic from a patient perspective as well in terms of going to sleep. There's always that fear. So I think the term twilight anesthetic is probably a little less less confronting from a patient perspective, maybe. I don't know, what's is your experience? Yeah, I recently you know? read an article in the New York Times probably in the last six months, um, which basically said that <sighs> kids who had uh, multiple anesthetics, it did affect their development. Mm -hmm. So there must be some sort of- Right, I didn't know that. Uh, what age was that? Was that like uh, below, so maybe below 18? Yeah, okay, so yeah, they're less When they're still 14, developing. When they say four, you know- well, And when you say yeah. development, you mean physically or mentally? Mentally, or? mental development. Right. So, That's, you know, they're, they're now looking into studies to assess it in, in adults mm. and to see whether it makes any difference where when you have multiple general anesthetics. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's quite, it's quite taxing on the body. There's a lot of chemicals going in. And I was talking to an anaesthetist a few, a few years ago who said to me that they, and you maybe tell me that this is true or not, that they really still don't completely understand how it works. Absolutely. They understand that it does work yeah. and how to do it safely. But the actual process of what happens is not quite understood, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm. So with your anesthetic background, what, what are the pros apart from, uh, I guess, being able to move them around of twilight versus general? Do they recover quicker, presumably? Yeah, I think also like anesthetics teaches you how to multitask. You know, you've got to be looking at numerous things. And with liposuction, you've got to do that as well. You know, you've got to be calculating the amount of tumescent anesthesia. You've got to be looking at the shape. You've got to be, you know, there's multiple facets to it. So yeah. I think... And that, most people want to go home the same day, presumably. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I moved into the aesthetic field primarily because I saw, it was my passion. Um, I couldn't see myself doing anesthetics forever. I just, um, it was a field that wasn't really changing. It's pretty much been the same since the 1980s, since the invention of uh, a white drug. I don't know if we can mention the name, but- uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson Ma juice. Yes, Jackson Michael special. Jackson juice. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty, I mean, that's such a fantastic drug that really, you know, nothing has been able to supersede it. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. the developments in anesthesia have been limited since then. Did you miss critical care work? I did. Intensive care? I did, yeah. I mean, I would think that's it's real medicine in, yeah. in that area. Um, it used to scare me when I went down to ICU, all these things, yeah. attach the patient, and you're like, well, I'm just getting out of here, I'm the surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Too complicated. Yeah. Where, where's the scalpel? Yeah, pretty much. How far were you into your training before you uh, switched from anesthetics to cosmetic surgery? So I did seven years of anesthetic training, four years of accredited training. I had a lot of injectable clients and that's what made me move to the cosmetic industry. Sure. I loved it. It was, it was a very progressive area of medicine and the feel-good factor that you got from patients was yeah, what motivated me to, to, to jump ship. Yeah, that's mm. great. So what's the formal pathway? A lot of people are confused with, you know, what's a plastic surgeon and what's a cosmetic surgeon? Yeah. Can you just give a bit of background to that? Mm. As you know, there's some there's a lot of controversy around the term cosmetic surgeon. I like to call myself a liposuction expert because that's I do one procedure yes. and, I, and I try and do it very well. Yeah. Um, I don't claim to do 10 procedures. Um, we, have a, we have a plastic surgeon on our team that does all the cutting and the implants and, um, and we focus basically on the liposuction yeah. and the shifting of fat from one area to the, of the body to the other. In terms of the training, um, it's a really hard one. There's no formal training as such. I've gone around the world and spent time with various liposuction experts in the US, 
in, in London, Spain, in South America, and tried to learn the best techniques and modify them slightly to our clients and their needs and be able to formulate a a way of doing liposuction that pretty much brings everything from around the world that's the best. And um, taking a bit from everywhere and then developed your own or devised your own uh, practice or method that works for you and, and the Australian aesthetic. Because I think there is a little bit of a difference between, you know, the aesthetics from, say, like Brazil, as opposed to here, um, the proportions and what people think looks good. So I guess that's you got to you have to sort of tailor your process and procedure to, to our market, right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I remember when I first saw a Brazilian butt lift done, it was in 2010. My wife and I went to the US Open to the tennis <laughs> and I did some um, liposuction training with a guy called Matlock there and he injected some fat into an African-American's butt, uh, buttock. And um, I thought to myself, nobody will ever ask me for this in Australia. <laughs> and, uh, and here we know, are. Yeah, about a month later, this girl came in and asked me, for it and um yeah wow we're going to come on to the the bbl as it's known later um what was my next why don't we will actually go back a little bit and i mean i'd be really interested i mean i'm sure we've heard i've heard this story before but i don't remember it why medicine to begin with out of all other than having probably lebanese parents that wanted you to become a doctor (laughs) was there any other i guess motivating my mother used to go to this indian doctor in annandale all the time and you know growing up uh i wasn't the easiest child (laughs) And uh, I used so to look up. changed, no? Yeah. <laughs> so I used to look up to this guy, you know, look across the table and just think, wow, I want to be a respectable sort of member of society like this guy. Mm. Right. And, um, yeah, maybe that's why I look Indian. Right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I have to admit, I, I thought you were before I got to know you and David told me about you. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, um, I think, you know, um, that, that Indian doctor in Annandale, our family doctor, was sort of my... You know, I respected him and I wanted to be a respectful member of society just like him. So I think that was my motivation. Yeah, right. Medicine. Okay. Yeah. Why did you focus on body sculpting? It's mm. like an interesting one. Yeah. So I think um, I think my father was instrumental in that. I, I think when he was working with us, he didn't care about his wrinkles or his loss of volume. Uh, all he cared about was his fat. Sure. And uh, And I saw that, you know, that was a concern for many people. So we um, we focused uh, our attention on, on body sculpting and, and tried to be the best at, yeah. at that. And I guess from a um, a, a competition perspective, I, I, it doesn't seem like it's a procedure that people. It's it's very physically demanding. It's mm. very tough. Yeah. Very very physical job. So I, I think mm. that it, there's a huge market. You've got male and female audience of all ages, from all ethnic backgrounds, from all cultures. Um, this huge market, but not a lot of people really wanting to do it. So it mm. seems like it was a really brilliant, I guess, from a yeah. business perspective yeah. to focus in on that. Yeah. Bit of, you know, intuition, bit of luck, bit of everything, yeah. you know. You must have great forearms kind of doing the, like the big tennis, cannula. Like a tennis Yeah, player. tennis player. Yeah, yeah. does David tell you, I always want to be a tennis player. And this is how I play my five-set matches. With, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so I guess let's get into the, the, the meat of the topic. What are the different ways of removing fat from a, a body? So there's, an, there's invasive ways and non-invasive. Yeah. The invasive methods include tumescent anesthesia, uh, tumescent um, liposuction that yes. we discussed earlier. So it just involves putting fluid in there and waiting for the fat to separate. 
Over the last 10 years, various devices have come in to help that separation process. So initially it started off with lasers and the lasers would help melt the fat, even though they weren't very good at it, and help tighten the skin. Um, But there wasn't much energy coming out of the lasers. It was just from the tip of the probe. So then radio frequency came out. It did a better job of melting the fat, but it was quite painful. Um, And then the vaser came out soon after that. And the vaser was a more uniform energy, so it allowed the melting of the fat uh, quite quickly. So the vase is an ultrasound tip, isn't it? It's an ultrasound, yeah, titanium probe. Okay. And that energy is more uniform, so it helps liquefy the fat more uniformly and it helps also tighten the skin more uniformly as well. Um, and I believe that's the best form of invasive liposuction that's available today. Yeah. Um, you can also use power-assisted device, so a vibrating device to help separate the fat as well. Okay. And you can use that in conjunction with so vaser or laser uh, liposuction, or you can use it alone. So just to break this down for people who may, you know, this is sort of presumed knowledge, but you make a little cut on the skin, put in essentially a, a long rod like a surgical device, mm-hmm. and then you're using a bit of physical force with the ultrasound tip that vibrates to break down fat. Mm-hmm. But you also, the key the key thing is a tumescent anesthesia, right? You, without that, you can't perform vaser sure because vaser works actually on the fluid okay causes bubbles within the fluids to dislodge the fat cells yes a microwave kind of <laughs> exciting the water particles yeah. right yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. yeah yeah and then pushing the fat cells oh, that's off my, so that's my non, non-doctor <laughs> non <laughs> way of trying to understand it okay so yeah you definitely like you too, like the tumescent way separates the fat cells but to separate them further you need an energy-based device and i believe that the vase is the best one of those devices because okay. it helps to uniformly melt the fat and deliver heat to the skin uniformly. So you're getting tightening as well as losing the fat. And being able to remove the superficial layers of fat as well so we can create sort of high definition for people who, for high definition abs, if you like, yeah. for people who have appropriate skin and good good core underneath. Yeah. I, tell me if I'm wrong. When I, I've seen some people on TV where it almost looks like they've had abs chiseled in. Mm. Is that fat is the, that's shaping that or is it you've exposed the muscle yeah so it's, it's a good question so when i first learned the technique yeah that was the way it was taught to me you know that you'd leave some fat foreshadowing and i just it looks a after, ridiculous yeah it looked ridiculous <laughs> so basically quickly i realized that no you, you actually need to shave it all off yeah know? so we we shave all it off and in the areas where your actual dips lie around your muscle we you can sort of we remove them. all the fat so there's absolutely nothing and form this little bit of scar tissue underneath which pulls that bit of skin in. So so, so when am I booking in? <laughs> so pretty much, yeah, we don't do that sort of shadowing effect anymore. That was sort of probably in the first year or so that we yeah. were doing it. Um, but the results, yeah, definitely look more natural now. Um, okay. And we only do it in the, the right person. So you have to have good skin if you're going to do the high definition and you have to have good core. Yeah. I mean... I remember years ago when I was doing plastic surgery and we were taking fat from the abdomen to to use in little dimples around the breast for Mm. previous breast cancer. But we weren't using Vaser or, you know, these other fancy things that you guys have now got. It was just a rod, like a big cannula, and it was just brute force to try and collect the fat. Mm. It took ages. So the way I describe it, it's like getting trying to get a brick out of a straw, right? Yeah. Trying to remove a brick out of a straw. So with the vaser, it's more like you're trying to get butter out of a straw. Okay. So it makes it much easier and you get a smoother finish as well at the same time. Right. 
Okay. You know, whereas when you're trying to get a brick out, you get fragments of the brick and you're left with sort of more unevenness, right? <coughs> yeah. Um, so not to say you can't get any unevenness with the Vaser, but the, you do get a smoother finish overall. Now, from um, patient perspective, who's a good candidate for liposuction? Because I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding out there in, in the general marketplace or in, in consumer land where, patient land, where they think that it's a, a weight loss tool. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? So like who makes a good candidate for like perception? Yeah, I, I, I like to call it shape shifting. You right. know? So okay. we, you know, we, we, it's it's about changing the contour of your body. Right. It's not a weight reduction program. Okay. Um, however, having said that, we do a form of what we call mega liposuction. So over the years, I've noticed people that are big that really want some form of liposuction. You know, you take out you know, 10 litres or 20 litres over a couple of sessions of liposuction mm. and then they'll come to you and say to you, I don't feel as hungry anymore. And it really has... Um, but do you think that's a psychological stimulus? That it's it sort of uh, made them look in the mirror and think, wow, I look pretty good. I'm going to mm. carry this on or yeah, not? The other thing I've noticed is diabetics, not all of them, but a lot of them will come to me and say to me, my insulin levels have dropped. Yeah. I don't need as much insulin. Yeah. Okay, and so w w what what I think happens in these larger patients is the insulin levels drop. Okay, so once you go fat, it's really hard to go back. You talk to any person that's, that's overweight, yeah, they'll say to you that you know I'll have this special diet for a week or two, and then uh, as hard as I try, I just I, I can't fight it. It's like this this battle within them. They need to eat because yeah. their fat cells, once they go big, don't want to go back. Yeah. Right, they don't want to go skinny anymore, or they're not small anymore. They want to stay that size, and it's the high insulin levels that are rotating around those fat cells that keep them fat yeah. or big. Um, so by stripping those fat cells out, that insulin doesn't have anyone to talk to, mm. um, and the levels drop. Yeah. So, like, a lot of my patients who have this sort of mega form of liposuction who don't want to have, uh, you know. The, the bands, um, we, we don't sort of push it, but we do have a, a fair few of those patients who come in sure. saying they don't want to get a band. They've heard, you know, different stories about it and they're the easiest patients to make happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Because they just want to be smaller. They're not really too concerned about something being one millimetre smaller on one side than the other. They've, right. Okay. You know, and you see them in the waiting room and they look like a different person and they feel like a different person. And honestly, they're the most grateful people. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the people that are close to perfect that are the most difficult to make happy. Mm. We're going to try and get some bariatric surgeons on to have a podcast with them as yeah. well. So it'd be interesting to see yeah. their angle from the hormonal aspect and, mm. and uh, the psychology behind, you know, mm. why can't people who are bigger do that sort of, uh, mm. I guess, themselves? It's a really, really hard thing, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Well, we've also got the psychological side of things as well, which I've got some opinions about. But mm. um, So perfect patient. Someone that wants to, I guess, improve the contours of their body. You do offer mega lipo for mm. people that are big, but even so, you're talking like 10, 20 kilos. For someone that's 100 kilos overweight, it's still not a weight loss exercise. So, really, um, it does help people that are quite large, but primarily designed to improve shape, not not lose weight. Would that be a fair Correct. A summary? Okay. Yeah. Right. And, you know, people who have really loose skin may look had to look for a tummy tuck or, right. or a, um, a thigh lift. So, it's, liposuction isn't for everybody. Yeah. Um, and the Vaser does help improve the skin. But not, it's not, a it's not a suitable candidate for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not like a magic wand. It's, yeah. it's it helps. Okay, okay. Mm. perfect. And when would you make the decision to go f between? And I guess we'll talk more specifically about um, the non-surgical. But do you have a way of assessing whether someone's more suitable for surgical versus non-surgical? Or yeah, so I mean, it depends on 
the expectations of the patient, what you're trying to achieve. Like I always say that the non-invasive treatments are going to give you a noticeable improvement. They're not going to give you anything dramatic. No, it's not a wow. It's, oh, that's better. Yeah, it's it's a noticeable. It's not for the Lebanese patient, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, Then I can say that. Um, But yeah, it's more like for the French patient, you know. Right. Um, Subtle. Subtle, yeah. You know, so you're not going to get a dramatic change there. Okay. so I th- yeah, if you want, if you've got downtime and you want a more dramatic change, then I'd say go for something more invasive. Do, do you base uh, your before and after sort of um, result just on photography, or do you actually measure dimensions and circumference? We're just on photography. Um, yeah, I think, um, and and the patient feedback. That's the other. Thing. Yeah, you know, my genes we- fit better. Yeah, it's like that old school mentality of people still hopping on the scales every day to see whether their gym their gym routine is working or not. It seems to be a bit more of an old school type way of thinking. Yeah. It's more about how you look. It doesn't really matter what mm. the scales or what the what that measuring tape says. How do you how do you look? How do you feel? And I also find that when patients, um, when you take away f- something from somebody, if I was to take away those shoes, you know, you may be, be upset for a, a little while, but um, you'll forget about it. But if I gave you a new pair of shoes, you'll remember it for longer. So patients always forget what they used to look like. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, you know, so, and it's just, we see that the way facial aesthetics humans, and, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you give them something, when you give them a filler, right, it's easy to make them happy, right? Um, yeah. When you take away something, I don't know, in the, in the face how, it's it's harder to make them happy. So you, when they often forget what they used to look like. So at the six mm-hmm. weeks when we take photos, it's really, you know, a lot of them are like, wow, I forgot how I used to look like. Yeah. yeah. And the photos are really important, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we jumped around a little bit. Jake started to ask about the procedure and, and how it works. So you, you make the incision, you put in the tumescent anesthesia, you remove the fat. We and use then, the, yeah, we use the vaser to right. the fat or, you know, you can, you can use vaser. Then you or vacuum you, it out kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. the suction. And then what happens after that? So that's the end of the procedure and then they just come back and see you in six weeks or how, how does yeah, it? Yeah, so some people opt to, you know, put the fat in their bum or the breast right. or the face or, right. you know. Can yeah, you give it to a friend? <laughs> Well, you know, a lot of people ask that, but, you know, maybe one day, not not currently. Yeah. yeah. What's the downtime of the banks. surgery? So, if, let's say I had my abdomen and and flanks done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I expect after, and when when can I go to work and things like that? Yeah. So the recovery is about a week if you're doing it, abdomen and flanks. The abdomen is generally the most painful area. Sure, it's our core. Um, other areas you may need like three or four days off if you're just getting, say, your inner or outer thighs done. Yeah. Um, if you're getting any form of fat transfer, we usually say two weeks because um, there's an, another element of recovery there yes. as well. So generally that's the downtime required. That's pretty good, about a week. Mm. Yeah. And go back to work and resume most of all. If it's, if, you're not going to run if, a marathon in a week probably. But. Yeah, we tell people no exercise for four to six weeks. So, you know, if you're a labourer, then maybe you probably need more of them week but if you've right. got an office job then yeah seven to ten days presumably there's a bit of swelling because of the anesthetic and then you're using a, a rod to cause a bit of trauma how visible are the, you know when do you start seeing the results mm. so the next day generally our patients will take their garments off and they'll can pretty much see most of the result however over this first seven to ten days they get more swollen yeah we offer sort of a lymphatic drainage um, we have uh, lymphatic drain specialists at our clinic that will just push as much fluid out. So it's a massage effectively, yeah. Yeah, it's better out than in. Yeah. And because uh, the trapping of the fluid causes seromas, scar tissue and all the things that we don't want. So yes. it's really important that the patient keeps the garment on, comes for their, 
they're, they're my massages. Um, if there's any trapping of fluid, we'll either, you know, massage it out or drain it out with a, with a needle just to make sure that the, you know, there's no long-term sequelae by this trapping trapped yeah. fluid. So the garment's just like a, just a, a very tight sort of uh, compressive uh, clothing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, is those massages painful? Um, look, look, it, they can be. Everyone's pain tolerance is different, yeah. right? We're all wired differently, you know. Um, yeah, so I think you know, the, the girls are very gentle, even if just a very light touch at the beginning. You know, sometimes they don't even touch the area. They may just stimulate their lymph nodes under their armpits or right. um, in their neck or their groin hmm. just to help getting get, get the fluid moving. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then you said you, you could see the result almost the next day bar the bruising and, and mild swelling that you might have. Yeah, and minus the areas that we had the fat transfer because they get swollen. Quite, of course, yeah. Okay. yeah. And in terms of things that can go wrong, complications, mm. um, could you just maybe just briefly run through that for yeah, us? So the swelling, as I said, for about yep. seven to 10 days, <clears throat> the risk of infections. So we do put patients on antibiotics and mm-hmm. you know we monitor that as they come in. Um, the this, this formation of like uh, dense or scar tissue or skin irregularities, um, are they common or about five percent of people? Okay, yeah, so not much. Okay. Yeah, um, bruising, fainting. You can get power by paresthesia, which is like a tingling of the nerves. You know that they feel sort of uh, lots of discomfort in the area. It generally, lasts about six months. You can get some rashes, difference of rashes from the garments or from the lipo if it's too aggressive. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're the main risks. And the things that um, from a patient that um, they can do to minimise these these risks of complications or is it purely what, what you do as the surgeon or? I think the aftercare is just okay. as important as the surgery itself, you know. I think that coming in for... It's probably overlooked by a lot of people, I think, that whole importance of aftercare. Yeah, I think I learned that in Brazil. I think the South mm. Americans do it better than anyone else does yeah. and um, it's it's really important. Okay. Mm. For sure. Did you notice uh, different trends in, in what people are asking for, like you touched on there with Brazil or America or maybe even Asia? Are there different... Mm trends and, and ways of how people do this? Absolutely. You know, the Kardashians have changed everything, you know, yeah. um, in the in That's the basically 80s. what I was alluding to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the 80s and 90s, everyone wanted a flat bum and flat boobs and now everyone wants the Marilyn Monroe look that, you know, in the 50s and 60s, um, which has been brought back by Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian. And I remember as a child seeing an image of Marilyn Monroe lying on her side with that perfect S and I was just like, oh, that's so wow, you know. Mm. For me, we're like dressmakers. We're we're trying to get the girls into the dress that they want, rather than make a dress to fit their body. Yes, um, we do sort of an opposite of what a dressmaker likes, you know. So you know, um, and I I pretty much learned that from from a client of mine who is a dressmaker, and he's like, "You guys pretty much do what I do, but in reverse." And I'm like, "That's very true." <laughs> yeah, um, it is. Yeah, but it's interesting how these trends come around. I had this saying a few years ago: that "There's nothing new under the sun." It just it just comes around again. Yeah, yeah. So you, you hang on for long enough, you'll come. We'll come back into fashion. Um, <laughs> so that kind of leads nicely into non-surgical methods of fat reduction. So tell us about what your clinic offers. Yes, yeah, so we offer cool sculpting, which is a form of cryolipolysis. So where the fat cells are frozen mm-hmm. and then they die off and they're processed through your lymphatic system in your liver in the same way you eat fat. Um, there are other devices of uh, 
cryolipolysis, um, which have variable suction and variable results. We, we, we've, we've hung on to the cool sculpting because the people who invented it were the same guys who invented laser hair removal and fractionated lasers and a group called Rock Sanderson group from Harvard University. So, you know, it, it's a reputable machine um, for Allegan to spend the billions of dollars that they spent on it, you know, to it me. It works. Yeah. To me, yeah. So for it's me, the I... the gold standard piece of equipment. Yeah. And again, you know, a bit of, bit of I think you do medicine to get, um, you know, a good education to learn how to bet on a horse, if you like, because this industry, as you know, Jake, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work that you get sold to. Yes. Um, and I think you need to use your medical knowledge to be able to decide what's real and what's not. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, and it's a bit of luck as well. Like my story with cool sculpting goes back to, I think, um, I think it was in the same year, 2010. I went to, I think 2011, can't remember. I went to IMCAS, this, uh, this meeting in Paris and, um, I was looking at buying a non-invasive device. Um, I happened to speak to some guy who was a professor at, um, called Chris Zachary in, um, in California. And we just had listened to a device called UltraShape. Hmm. Um, and I said to him, should I buy one of these? He's like, hold off. There's a group called the Rox Anderson Group who are looking at this cool sculpting machine. Um, go to Hong Kong in a couple of months and you'll see the device being used the first time in Asia. So off I went to Hong Kong and I just happened to meet the inventor. His name was Dieter Meinstein. And um, he... He trialed the machine on pigs. I, uh, he was a German guy who lived in the US. So I looked at his shoes and they looked like they need to be thrown out 10 years earlier. <laughs> so I was like, this guy's not a salesman. He's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I had a good in-depth talk with him about the technology and uh, came back to Australia and bought one. So Was that before Allegan had it? Hmm, right. Way before okay. Allegan had it, yeah. So I think it's exchanged hands about two or three times. Right. Um, yeah, so... And and what do you think makes the cool sculpt machine different or better than the other machines that are on the market? Hmm. Do you remember, Dave, when we were playing with the the um, the 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 the, um, the temperature gauge yeah. monitors inside the skin yep. and the temperature monitors above? I honestly don't believe that you can use heat non-invasively to kill a fat cell without burning someone, or without burning the skin. Without so burning. just for some clarity, there's there's two main methods of non-surgical fat. Reduction. There's heat or freezing. Correct. Cool sculpting is obviously cold. Yeah. And you're alluding to the fact that the the hotter ones maybe aren't as beneficial. Yeah, because you know when when lasers first came out, like we were given the machine to play around with and to do some studies for the the American companies. Um, and that's what I learned out of it. That you know the temperature that you need to kill a fat cell, I, I don't think you can generate by going through the skin. Sure. So without creating some without, damage on the way. Correct. So. Okay. The concept of freezing really made sense, and yeah. it was the only thing that I think could work. Um, you know, Dieter Manstein was telling me how the kids in the seventies would suck on the popsicles and their cheeks would disappear, and then they started using it on pigs. So, like, there was just a good. The story was too good not to be true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how does cool sculpting work? Like, what, what does the thing look like, and and mm. how does it get attached? Mm. So it's changed over the years. So, you know, we've had, we had like these tiny little applicators to start off with that you couldn't do very much with, but it still worked. Um, and they, they took over an hour to, to, to apply, but you need what I call grabbable fat. So fat that can be sucked into an applicator. If the fat's too tight, then it's very difficult to, yes. to, uh, to, to remove with cool sculpting. Um, so once the, the vacuum sucks up the fat, um, 
it starts a freezing process and it drops the temperature, I think, to about minus four. And that triggers the cell to die off over a two or three month period. And how long is the sucker on you for? So now the, the most application is about 35 minutes. Okay. Um, so back in the day, it used to be an hour. Yeah. So you can do more now in a small amount of time. And there's different applicators for body parts now, and you can even sort of have multiple suckers on at the same time. So the whole process is quicker. Absolutely, yeah. And you're all um, awake during this procedure. Like it's just like you're walking off the street, I'm going to get my calls cop done, call, I'm going back to work. Like it's Pretty the walk in, walk just out. Just your emails yeah. whilst yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Very rarely do people get any sort of <laughs> any discomfort from it. Um, yeah. Generally, it's, you feel five minutes of a cold application right. and then you're pretty comfortable after that. So I can't just have a cold shower. It's not, not quite the same. <laughs> a minus wash. <laughs> I, I, do yeah. huh? I don't think you could do that for half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> minus four degrees, yeah. Maybe the less keep. Am I right in saying that the technology with the cool sculpt is that it's constantly monitoring the skin temperature? Yeah, we didn't sort of finish that. What's different yeah. between it and the other devices? Yeah. Sorry, so there's a, there's a thermal temperature... Uh, device that, that helps it's a safety device on the cool sculpting that ensures that the risk of burns is is minimal yes. um, a burn lot of the counterfeit sorry device. I'm just gonna patient brain um, it's a when you say burn with cold yes I'm like, like, frostbite. Yeah, like frostbite ah sorry yeah. okay yeah, continue yeah, sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, David's our patient advocate yeah that's <laughs> no, good that's good <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so there, there's a there's a thermal device there that protects the skin, which a lot of the counterfeit devices don't have, and they can cause um, burns um, because they don't have this uh, this safety feature in them. Okay. And also the vacuum, because we've tried a lot of the counterfeit devices, and the vacuums on them are variable as well. Um, the good thing about them is there's no consumable. Um, right. And so they're cheaper to run from it. Cheaper to run. And the other good thing about it is that you can you got two heads in one machine, so you can buy, you don't have to buy one machine to, you know. Right. So they they can potentially go quicker, but the the suction is variable, um, and it's potentially more dangerous for your patients. Yeah, absolutely. Super I mean, we've seen a lot of clinics popping up around Sydney recently, yeah. haven't we? Well, I know that Laser Clinics was was looking to get into that market, mm-hmm. and I know that they trialed a couple of the machines, and I know CoolScop was one of them. And they decided to go with CoolSculpt for the reasons that you've outlined, mm. which was that it was Safety safer, effective. more effective, even though it was more expensive. It was a better, better patient outcomes, which yeah. is, I guess, what we all want. So, Absolutely. Um, and, and particularly, you know, when the, the change is just noticeable, you've got to make it as safe as possible. I think this is a really interesting point for people, you know, off the street who are looking mm. for uh, any procedure, whether it's a filler, a uh, fat uh, sort of reduction device, you know, it's often based on price. Their, their decision. And yet, you know, the background as us as doctors is that, well, we've tried several of these things and actually the premium product is the safest and most effective one. I think a lot of people off the street just sort of see a price and they say, well, these guys are cheap. I'm going to, I'm going to try there. And often they're unhappy. Mm. So, mm. you know, we've seen that a lot, don't we? Yeah. Well, hopefully we don't see cool sculpt on one of those uh, uh, websites where your deal of the day or group on. Yeah. <laughs> Groupon for fat dissolving, <laughs> freezing, should I say? So you have the procedure done. Do you walk out with your stomach looking like an ice block, or does it does it, no, does it you, go back to normal after you? Walk yeah, out? You, you get a nice firm massage there for a minute or two by the operator, right? Um, and that that has shown to further um, improve the results, right? Um, it just feels numb, right, for about couple of hours i mean i remember when i had it the next day i bumped into something and then i remembered i'd had it so you don't really remember it 
right. that you've had the treatment doesn't really cause you any pain. Very rarely do you, like I've seen one or two patients over the, you know, eight years or so that we've had a, they've come off and had excruciating pain. We don't know why that happens, but. Just probably, like any procedure, you'll yeah. have some outliers who don't tolerate it, but yeah. the, the majority did. Yeah. So yeah. Other than that, I haven't really seen anything that's, yeah, worrying. I mean, sometimes you can get what's called hyperplasia. So you, the actual area gets bigger than smaller. Oh, yeah. So um, it's How very rare. It's, it's it's rare. I mean, look, I've seen it probably two or three times in, in eight years that I've been doing it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's very uncommon. Right. Do we know what the mechanism for that is? It's a bit bizarre, Not that I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's almost like a... Uh, like an abnormal inflammatory action. Yeah, it's paradoxical. I mean, look, it's some people say it can be just due to, um, like, in, with the liposuction, we have like the trapped fluid where the area just doesn't drain properly. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Are, are you making more fat cells or just bigger fat cells that are there? Does it more fat that? cells? Right. Yeah. Almost okay. like a defense mechanism. Mm. Yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, to me, Fat cells has the highest concentration of stem cells in the body, more than bone marrow. So, like, you know, I've had episodes in my career where I could swear to you I've taken that pocket of fat out, but if you over-traumatise that area... It will come back. It, it will... Self-regenerate. So will regenerate, yeah. And um, so, yeah, being overly traumatic to the fat can actually stimulate it. Another reason to have the thermal uh, yeah. uh, regulation. Yeah. So you have the procedure, you walk out, you have a little bit of discomfort, numbness maybe, and then your results appear in, what, two to three months, roughly? Yeah, and noticeable improvements, yeah. So I keep saying that word because, you know. How many sessions might you have, again, for abdomen and flanks, which is a common thing for people? Mm-hmm. So you may apply, like an abdomen, you may need four to six um, different applications just the first time to cover the whole area. Yeah. And then you may, you know, I'd say, you know, one to two for a noticeable improvement, like two to four for a more significant improvement. Yeah. Okay. And then like six treatments in the same area for a more dramatic improvement. Yeah. And, and I that, guess, you know, all yeah, compared up. to someone who either can't have a GA or doesn't want an operation or doesn't want time off work, it's amazing. You can yeah. just pop into a clinic, read the paper, go home and your fat starts melting or freezing, should I say. And are the results as permanent as regular liposuction? Yeah, I mean, look, 20 to 25% of the fat cells die off. Right. Um, so it's not to say that those other fat, the other 75% of fat cells that stay there, yeah. if you eat badly, can't fill up that area. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we haven't, we didn't ask, we didn't talk about this question, but in, just something I've thought of on the fly is when it comes to fat loss, whether it be surgical or non-surgical, um, how important do you think the psychological side of things are for people in terms of adapting their lifestyle or their habits to match their new body? Because I think that sometimes why, not everyone, I guess some of us, you know, we just get older, we develop bad habits over time, but there are definitely a percentage of the population who have some kind of eating disorder or an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, do you feel that it's important to address the psychological side of things as well for these people? For sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, trying to, like, that, you know, sp- during the consultation, that's probably the mm. most important thing yeah. to decide whether you can meet the expectations and they can continue on with the results after the surgery as well. Yeah. Um, 
we say to them, look, our job is to give you a new car. You're, we're going to give you a new car. Your job is to look after it. You know, yeah. um, like it's a permanent change in their shape, but it doesn't mean that they can't get big again. You know, yeah. we can make their legs look straight, but they can still get fat. Yeah. Yeah. But they'll just, their legs will just look straight still, but they're fatter. So right. it's, um, we're removing those bulges safe from their legs or the love handles, but it doesn't stop them from gaining weight. Yeah. I've heard crazy stories of from bariatric surgeons in the past where they've done a gastric sleeve or a bypass on someone and even though they can't eat that food anymore, they're like putting Mars bars in blenders and all sorts of things to try and beat wow. the system because they're, they're, there's something that's just not not working properly or there's, there's some sort of other greater issue going on. And it's, it seems Once like the fat that, cells go back, they don't want to, you know, once they go fat, they don't want to go back. It's yeah. an evolutionary mm. thing. When we were cavemen, we needed to put on as much weight as possible. So well, our body bodies wants us to keep fat, doesn't want it? to be yeah. fat almost, yeah. Do you sometimes refer some of these patients to a psychologist or someone that they might need to, I guess, talk to about why those habits are there or trying to address it from an inside perspective as well? We do encourage patients, yes, to seek yeah. psychologists and nutritionists as well, yeah, like it's a really combination. Right. Yeah. That's great. Um, let's talk about cellulite. Hmm. That's a really, really it's a hard one. Common yeah. thing that I mean, is it a the female predominant thing, or do we do you have men? I with do cellulite? see it in men. I do see it, uh, not well, as common though, right? Yeah, yeah, but I do see it in men. Should we just it, define what it is first? Because I think a lot of people are uh, sort of almost, you know, they think you can go and buy a magic cream for it, yeah, or, or, or whatever. What what is cellulite? So it, it dimples and fibrous bands. So it's it appears as dimples on the skin, yeah, but they're fibrous bands that are pulling down the skin yes. and pockets of fat that are pushing up against the skin. So you get these these mountains and valleys, yeah. if you like, you know, and that creates that cellulitic appearance. Mm -hmm. So to get rid of it, you need multiple things. You need to sort of try and break down those fibrous bands. You need to remove the little pocket of fat, if you like, that's acting like a mountain yes. and fill the valley with some fat. Okay. So it's complicated. Just fat or are there other methods of doing Look, that? Yeah, primarily fat. Like I think everything else is a bit. It's sort of, I guess, the most. You've got to have a lot of money to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. you know, like the fillers um, or okay. the collagen stimulating devices, yeah, you, you need, need a lot, lot of, of it, it to do it. Yeah. So you might as well use, use your own fat. Um, it's cheaper. And fat has stem cells in it as well, which helps thicken the skin as well. So that's the other element. The skin is poor quality. Yeah, okay. So that's there's lots of, it's a very dynamic uh, there's lots of it's it's a multifactorial problem. Yeah. It's not just that's why no one's been able to find that one quick fix for it because it's multifactorial. Yeah. So, um, what, you know, why does what, it come about, and and why does it tend to sort yeah. of hit people when they're older than younger? Is it hormonally driven? Yeah, it's hormonally genetic. Yeah, we don't no one really knows what causes it, but it's mainly hormonal and genetics the mm. two main factors. So, so the common areas are sort of buttock and leg and. Can you get it on your arms, cellulite? I've seen it before, but it's not common. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what what's your approach to, to tackling that? I mean, you said the different methods, but do you guys offer that at, at Cosmos? Mm, mm, mm. Look, I really, I've tried lots of non-invasive devices for cellulite and I've been disappointed time and time again. So, you know, for me to try another one, I think it's going to, you know, you have to give me the machine for free, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think... Um, yeah, for me, I don't think anything works for it non-invasively. I think non-invasively, it just removes the water from inside and around the fat cells, so yeah. it makes it appear better, like going to the gym, right? It's, yeah. it's temporary. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I don't really believe any of the non-invasive machines really work. Have you come across a device called Selfina? I don't know if it's available. I, I was just Australia. about to mention that. That was the next. I want, thing my, ha- I want to get my hands out. on this. Yes, this is the next first. That's the next <laughs> word that was going to come out of my mouth. So, the, so there's this device that goes under the skin and breaks those fibrous bands. Yes. It's in the US, right? Yeah, it, it helps, but it doesn't. I mean, to me, in my mind, it will help, but you still need that fat to it's fill part in of the divot. First part of the puzzle, correct? And you'll. St- you'll still need that fat to fill in the divot and you'll still need the fat to help improve the quality of the skin with the stem yeah. cells. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, will be, it will be useful, but I don't think it will be the answer by itself. Okay. Uh, have you looked into that? Like, uh, Look, there's no distributor in Australia by from my understanding. Is that correct? Is that what, yeah. Uh, as yeah. far as I know, I've Googled. I've chased it a few times. Uh, I've asked the company in America and there, there's, if at the moment. This, this is a desperate plea. Yeah. Can you get <laughs> Selfina to yeah. Dr. Ajaka yes. and me? <laughs> Absolutely. Dave has got some sell out and needs to trade now. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Jake, slow not hot milk.com. Is it done under is it done under local or is it Yeah, under local you can well as far as I can tell from the YouTube videos that I've watched you'll be lying on your front because it tends to be the buttocks. Right. Local put in and then it's like a little uh sucker that goes on to pull up the skin so it's a little bit more away from like the, the beauty booster thing kind of. Uh yeah, but it's a big thing. It's like right. sort of right. 10 by 10 centimeters. Mm-hmm. So it sucks the skin in and then use a a little guided rod that goes just under the skin. And like you said, it, it divides the scepter. Mm-hmm. So that little thing pulling down, creating a dimple is released. And then of course, you know, you need to do some sort of filling, whether it's by stimulator or fat or, or otherwise. So, so sitting there with the syringe, just like poking fat in that you've collected. Oh, you do it with a cannula. So you yeah. sort of lay it. Down. Oh, right. Okay. Like a, like you're doing like lips or something like that. Bit of buttock. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. mm. Joseph can answer that because yeah. he does it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you and there. you can just do syringe suction of liposuction. You wouldn't need to do like um, a lot of liposuction. You just do a little old traditional way with a syringe. And yeah, right. yeah you could do it under a bit of gas or, yeah. Wow. Because you don't need that much, but yeah. So I think that would be a huge game changer if, if you could definitively say, I can make your cellulite gone or, or significantly better. Well, yeah. I don't know any woman that would say, no, thank you. I'd rather just have a dimply bum. And why does it affect women more than men? Is that because their skin's thinner or is it hormonal or? Yeah, I think it's uh, the hormonal. Right. And I think their skin's thinner because of the hormonal aspects, you know. I mean, testosterone does give us a big advantage. Right. It's great for the skin. It's great for collagen. Okay. There you go. Um, Which leads us nicely into the BBL topic or Brazilian butt lift. So I I still can't get my head around this. The, the, The very curvy women I think look a bit odd that's my personal opinion but what's the trend that comes into your door just upset a lot of people Jay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all fashion I'm going to qualify you know? that I'm going to yeah. qualify that yeah. things like you know tattoos come in and out of yeah. trend or you might like it at 20 and yeah. by 30 you might hate it yeah but this is your body shape yeah it, it's going to be quite pretty hard to uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens butt, in right? 10 20 50 years time when you're left with that shape that's so when they're 70 they'll have reduced chance of hip fractures yeah. <laughs> that is bounce so it's just cushioning <laughs> yeah. no, but all the seriousness like you don't necessarily have to have the biggest bum in the world you yeah. can you can aim for what we, we've categorized them over the years to simplify things for us uh, sports illustrated beyonce and kim kardashian or slash 
JLo, you know. Okay. So we small, medium, large, like small, scale. medium, large, it's it's scale. A scale. Yeah. And then we ask them if they want what they want from the sides. You know, do they want a sort of a Jenna look or a more Sports Illustrated look? Or, you know, or they want to be completely straight up and down. So it classif- it allows us to to classify what sort of dress they want us to make, right? Yeah, yeah. Because not every woman is going to go into a shop and like the same dress. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of designers do cater for women who like all different types of dresses. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's the way we see it. I, I'd love to get your um, thoughts on this. So when people come for, say, facial aesthetic treatment, often what people think they want isn't necessarily what they need or will look good. Do you have any discussions where you say, okay, you want extra large bum? I'm not so sure if it's going to fit your frame. Maybe we should do medium. Or, or do you have that discussion? Um, look, or do you deliver no, what's No, requested? to be honest, because it's it's the dress they want to wear. So I, I you know, I, I, I'm there to design the dress they want to wear. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. If they so want it's really more big about bum, then, what yeah. you want, you get. Yeah. Okay. That's so because on the face, yeah, it can look really odd. Um, but there's no perfect shape on the body. That's right. We're all different shapes, sizes. Mm-hmm. I've got short legs and a long body, which is a bit weird, but that's right. just so, me. <laughs> so there's no perfect shape. So it's about, you know, the shape that you want to create. Yeah. Okay. Um, Whereas on the face, I find that if you put too much in certain areas, it actually can look odd. Mm. Well, I guess the, the margin for error with the proportions of the face are much mm. less than on a body, which is much bigger. Mm. Um, so... <sighs> What's the difference between, say, someone that goes to the gym and squats a lot and gets a lot more muscle on their leg? And you can see, like, I go to the gym, you see women or men that squat a lot and they've got actually got quite a developed backside. Hmm. Um, what's the difference between that and injecting fat? Is it, it's a, I'm assuming it would create a very different aesthetic or someone want that look and think they can achieve it with, with fat and not go to the gym? Or Yeah. So, I mean, genetically, we're all not able to, to go to the gym and create the muscle that we want, like, some of us are fortunate to be able to do that, but there's a lot of us that can't. Um, so I think, you know, if you can do it, great. But there's lots of people that go to the gym day in, day out and can't get the You're not going to get a Kardashian bum yeah. by doing some squats, mm. presumably. Mm. So, you know, uh, this is what I call shape shifting. So, yeah. you, know, we're, we're, you know, we're changing your shape by shifting your fat. Right. Yeah. And um, that's generally what I see that what we do at Cosmos and like – it, yeah, it's it, going to the gym. We encourage it, but you can't always achieve the result that you yeah. want. And presumably, you see a lot of quite athletic girls who've got low body fat. So, in that circumstance, do you struggle or say, "I'm sorry, I can't"? It's it's been like we've really um, mastered the art on a special really diet. <laughs> getting every drop. Look, <laughs> look, to be honest, I can get two liters of fat from just about any girl these days because we've just we've mastered where we can fine tune and get those tiny little bits of fat. Going into right. the fingers and the yeah. toes. <laughs> Soon we'll do that, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so most girls we can get two litres of fat quite comfortably, um, even if you're a small Asian girl. Yeah. And um, more recently with all the, the safety around the whole BBL with, you know, the um, the the, clot, uh, the the fat emboli to the lung. Now I wanted to ask you about that. What, what, what exactly is the issue and how, how does that come about? Mm-hmm. So the issue comes about by fat entering the blood vessels and then shooting up into your heart and causing you have a... a Just like a filler blocker, but fat blocker. Correct. Yeah, okay. Correct. And But it shoots to your heart and can kill you, right? Yeah. And, and most, like, the risks are when you inject into the muscle. Yes. Okay? Um, that's that's all under the muscle, okay? Um, 
there's a guy in New York who's formulated, you know, a couple of years ago, formulated a new technique called EVL, expansion vibration lipofilling. So pretty much he used a vibrating device to heat up against the skin. So you're not needing to inject at all into the muscle. And it expands the space as you're injecting the fat. So you can almost see like a balloon rising. And you can inject huge amounts into those the space now without having to <clears throat> inject anything into the muscle. Yeah. So it's much safer. We find we're getting smoother results as well um, because we're opening that whole space. Do you uh, use more fat device. or less because it's more superficial? We get a we get a better result with with more with less fat. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, because it opens the space and allows the fat to survive. Um, we don't have to inject into the muscle. It does, the space doesn't feel as tight yeah. as it, we when before we use this new technique uh, called EVL. Mm. Um, so look, it makes them much safer, which is the most important thing. Okay. Am I right in saying, you know, a few years ago when BBL maybe wasn't as uh, sort of common in Brazil, they were using substances like silicon and that was of course, you know, dangerous, yeah. dangerous because yeah. of the emboli again. Hmm. Even, you know, risk of infection, you know, we're happy, you know, we inject fat into girls who have implants because it's below the muscle. Yes but we don't inject fat into girls who've had silicon injections. Okay. Because yeah. the risk because of, of the risk of moving that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the procedure itself, you go in just like a general liposuction <laughs> procedure, you collect the fat. Do you then, I guess this would probably be one of those uh, advantageous moments where they're not under a general anesthetic where you then can get them into a position where you're, because I guess the body looks different when it's standing or animated. Yeah. I mean, we put the fat back in. So you do it in the same sitting? We, well? We're doing the same sitting, right. you know, we prepare the fat, mm-hmm. we get rid of all the fluid, we wash it with some antibiotics as well. Yeah. And then the, the patient has the option of being under general or deep sedation. <laughs> like they do need to be deeper than just with liposuction because, right. yeah, it's, yeah, you do you need to be, because with liposuction you've prepared them with tumescent anesthesia. Mm. Here they don't have the, the anesthesia in the area where you're injecting the fat. So they do definitely need to be in a, like a deep sedation or a general anesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, from there, we um, I prefer to inject them from the side and then lie them prone, which is onto their tummy, mm-hmm. so I can see the different angles in which I'm, you know, injecting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I see the side view, and then I see the um, the, the what we call the prone view as well. Okay. And you said you don't use tumescent for no. Why? Um, well, we don't want to fill the space with just fluid. We want right. to fill it with the fat because okay. you know the, what you see is what you get. Yeah. So you want to see that as, you, as you're filling, I guess, yeah. and moulding. There's no harm putting a little bit of tumescent in, but right. you don't want to be putting huge amounts of so, it. So it's more for just um, accuracy of injecting more than anything else. And you do that with just any sort of fat grafting or in particular with the, BB, with the BBL? You don't use... We don't, yeah, okay. with all of that. Yeah, even when we inject into the breast, we don't, we don't put tumescent in first. Okay. Yeah, but you can. You can put small volumes, but I wouldn't put huge volumes. Yeah. Particularly with the breast because it's a much tighter space. Yeah, right. You know, so the tighter the space, the less likely the fat is going to survive. Right. Okay, Okay. so in a small Asian bum, before we had this EVL (coughs) technique, it was much harder to inject into a small Asian bum because it was tighter, Mm. right? But, um, yeah, so the breast is a tighter space, so you can't feel as much fat in there. Right. Am I right in saying that uh, the amount of fat that you harvest only about, 30-ish percent survives so you need to inject a lot more on the day yeah what we find with with, with the way we prepare it with the vaser we 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 the vaser allows us to take more fat out but we also don't um overheat it so we don't overcook the fat yeah so it won't survive so we really lower our settings 
to make sure we're not overcooking the fat. Sort of slow and steady. Yeah, we, and, and also the suction pressure is also important Yeah, so that you're not traumatising the fat cell as you're yeah. taking it out. So all those factors make a difference. We find about 70 to 80% of the fat cells take. 70 to 80, okay, that's pretty good. And is it different, different parts of the body? So if you were doing... Good question, yeah. I think that the side of the hip less takes because the vascularity or the there's, the blood vessels aren't as good here as, mm. say, with your... Um, your backside, right? Um, there's yeah, there's more blood vessels there, so the fat cells are more likely to take. Right. Um, so yeah, we find that the backside actually takes better than the hips. Mm. Might be a silly question. <laughs> what happens if you overshoot the mark? What happens if you have too much take? Say if you get like you inject it in like ninety percent or hundred percent. You get the super Kardashian bump. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of hold handing for for six months. But, yeah. Right. Uh, I I you know like. Um, I haven't really had to take any fat out from anyone since right. 2010. You know, you just hold the hand for six months and generally everything will settle down. settle down. Okay, fair enough. But having any- said that, the girls, as they put weight on, particularly if you've liposuction their whole body, will all go to their bum. So if you look at Kim Kardashian when she gets pregnant, her bum just gets big. Because that's the only place she's got fat cells. Correct. Right. Her, fat, her tummy doesn't get big. Her bum gets big. Well, her tummy does get big because there's a child in there. But, yeah. But, uh, it's not fat. Yeah, it's not fat. How many of these are you doing a week? I'm just curious to know, like, is it a phase or is it a, yeah. an established thing that we're going to see for next, you know? Honestly, years? I think it's an established thing. I think that this is, like, I think that, um, you know, in the 80s, the girls were getting implants were, you know, not mainstream and then it became more mainstream in, in the 90s and in 2000s, everyone was getting it. Yeah. And I think this is the beginning of the phase in that 30, 40 year cycle that we talk about, you know, the 40s and the yeah. 50s and 60s where there was the marathon. Maybe I'm Monroe. just boring. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Jake's old, old school. <laughs> no, I, I'm talking about the extreme, like, you know, yeah. someone, if a woman turns to the side and, and literally it's almost like a shelf. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't you know, I, that's aesthetically. I don't think that's amazing, but if a girl wants it, that's the dress she likes. Correct. But I, I like that Sports Illustrated look, you know. I mean, you know, have one or two children and the bum will drop, just like the breast will drop. Sure. And, you know, when, you know, the perkiness of a nice bottom, whether it's big or not, is is aesthetically pleasing. So, yeah. I, mean, um, I guess it goes back to proportion. If your body can take it or, or the rest of your body's uh, curvy, mm. it would match better. Mm. I, I don't know. How much do these things cost? We've never really spoken about price, but yeah. roughly, yeah. I know it varies. In so, terms yeah, of no. lipo and BBL, like what are yeah. people looking at? So, look, the average cost is about eleven to twelve thousand dollars, right? right? So, For if a they lift, yeah, right. you know, but women can spend if they want their whole body's liposuction, they can spend twenty thousand dollars. So, right. you know, it, the average cost is about eleven to twelve. And then, what about just regular lipo? Regular lipo. It's the average cost, yeah, is about seven, I'd right. say. So is yeah, it charged per area or We charge time? per area and per time. Yeah, <coughs> a bit of both, you know. So basically it's per area um, and time, which is factors in by how big you are. Mm. It's the time thing. Yeah. And how does that rate with the non-surgical cool sculpting device? Look, overall, I think if you're willing to have the downtime, then I think the lipo is still a much more cost-effective option because the cool sculpting isn't cheap. Sure. Um, I think it's about the same. Okay, but it's, it's you're going to take longer to get the. Def- yeah. Do you want a you know a reasonably, it's not a big operation, but it's still an operation, versus you know walk in walk out. Yeah, so the cost the I think is about the same, but I think that to get that overall V shape, say from the back with the hips looking wide, or mm. you know, and the, and the waist you can looking fine in, tune that with surgery. You can, you can't with cool sculpting. It's very difficult. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess like everything, it's got its limitations. You know, you're not going to get the same result from a permanent implant as you would, sorry, from a dermal filler as opposed to a permanent implant or a facelift compared to, say, having a toxin treatment. So I guess as long as you understand what's achievable and the right expectations are set, then they can people well, can make... to me and we'll get close. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Goodness. Uh, yeah. Um, where do we get to? Ah, this is a topic that I'm interested in, fat dissolving injections. Mm. Um, does First of all, does Cosmos offer uh, those we types do. of treatments? Yeah, we do. Um, look, I think um, it's an interesting one. I think... Um, the, the, the fat cells definitely do die, like I was talking about the non-invasive options yes. um, and me believing that heat doesn't really, I don't think really causes cell death, but the fat dissolving injections do cause cell death. Yes. The only issue is they're good for small pockets of fat. They're not good for big pockets of fat. Right. Sure. They're painful. Um, uh, they're stinging, you know. Depends how you do it. But, yeah, um, uh, you know, that, that was but the even afterwards, the swelling and, the, you know, yeah. the swelling is just as much on the neck as you do lipo, I reckon. You know? Yes. So, yeah. you know, I mean, if you're open to the idea of getting a little cut under the neck, then, yeah. So it depends on the the, the patient's expectations if they want a surgery or don't want surgery. Um, it's good for little pockets like the axillary tail here above the knee, which is a very dangerous area to liposuction. Mm. So I, th I think that's useful there. So we're uh, talking the about solving injections. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying it was just dangerous for life. I was saying, could you do cool, cool sculpt cool there? sculpting there, yeah. Maybe not. I mean, possibly. I don't know if there's gra grabbable fat, right. you know, yeah. yeah. And the banana roll, I think it's a good one for the banana roll. It's the banana roll. Uh, the bit under the bum. Sounds like a dessert. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> for some people it is. <laughs> So fat dissolve injections, they were launched in Australia about a year and a half ago. They've been around for a long but time. Yeah. We're yeah, talking about okay. the, I guess, the branded product. Because uh, lipo, it wasn't called lipo. They're all compounded. Lipo-dissolve, yeah. yeah. Prior Sorry, did I, are we allowed to say that? No, we are lipo-dissolve, yeah. Okay, right. It's, 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 it's I don't want to go to there's, no, okay. <laughs> there's no, yeah, lipo-dissolve is, you know, um, is not describing any particular drug. There are a number of drugs that ah, right. you know, okay, make cool. up the compound. So, so it's more the but sort of the allergan. generic technique. Yes, not. the technique, yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. It's been around for like, what, at least 10, 15 years. Yeah. So it's the, the 70s same thing? in France. They've been doing lipodissolvent since the 70s in France. Uh, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know more than me, is that uh, with Allergan's product, uh, the studies quite surely so clearly show that uh, sort of a, a dose-related result and predictable results both men and women and how many sessions you'll need. Whereas all the other products prior to that are just sort of some work, some don't kind of, there's no right or yeah. there's no method with them. So it brought predictability to like a dissolve. Correct. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's what it did. Yeah. And, but in Australia, it's licensed <clears throat> just for the double chin. Of course, if you're a doctor and you have experience, you can use it, like you said, in the axilla or knee or, or other places. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a place for all of these things. Yeah, um, it's like having uh, all these different tools in your in your in your tool chest. You can use them for different applications depending on what's what's pertinent and what yeah. people want. And I mean, you know, for fat dissolve injections, you, you could do it, but to inject your whole abdomen, it's way easier and probably cheaper to have a cool sculpt mm. or even probably a lipo. You know, just because the amount of product you'd need, correct, and how many sessions you need to do. Mm. Um, so if you do these procedures and 
um, there is an issue where you've uh, taken too much or you put too much back in. Are these things fixable, resolvable? How does it? Yeah. I mean, so look, you know, if you get a dent um, mm. from liposuction, generally means that the, 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 um, there's too much fat taken up from the right. top layer. So you can take fat from another area and put it back in. So again, the shape shifting. Um, so yeah, it's possible to correct it. Okay. You may need more than one session, depending on how bad it is, but it's possible to correct it. Um, I think you've already said previously, but those people with excess skin, they're bad candidates for most of these treatments. Is that, would you agree with that or? Yeah. So people have really loose skin who've lost excessive amounts of weight and there's no fat there, then yeah, there's no point having vasoliposuction. Some, some women just have a slight overhang, um, and they've got good thick skin. Hmm. And in, in that case, the vasor can be really useful because the good thick skin has lots of collagen in there and the vasor can really heat those fibers up and get good contraction. Yeah. So it's a, it's, you know, it's a good alternative. We don't tell everyone that it's going to give you the results of a tummy tuck, but it may. So that would be for someone who's got sort of mild to moderate change after having a baby, but not rolls of skin hanging off them. Correct. Right. Mm. And it's for people that really don't want a tummy tuck as well, you know, because not, it's not, not for everybody. Yeah. We were talking to Richard a few weeks ago and he was Richard formerly of QMED and now is working for Mondial. He was talking about threads in, was he, I think he talked about threads in the body. Is that something that you would look at in this sort of a thing or? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I've, you know, heard about it being used in breasts and yeah, buttocks right. before. Um, and we have had a few inquiries of late about yeah. buttock. I, to be honest, I don't know too much about it, but, uh, you know, never say never. Like the, the, the ones in the face, you know, I, I was one of the first to use those mm. contour threads, do you remember, back yeah. in the day? Um, got stuck in the Gold Coast in a horrific storm, I'll never forget it. But, yeah, they didn't really work back in the mm. day, the, the facial <coughs> threads. But the ones that are out now, some of them are really good and so yeah. give you some really good results. So, you know, it, it may take... 10 years to get some good threads that work for the yeah. body. But uh, yeah, are there I, mean, any, I don't want to count anything out. But. Are there any interesting developments in the world of lipo? Like yeah. what will be the next step or the future? Hmm. future so of in that? terms of skin, um, there's a there's a new device called Renuvion or, or J-Plasma, which is sort of popping up around the world. A lot of my friends that are that I've visited over the years uh, are playing with it in various parts of the world, like in, like in London, mm. like in... Um, you know, South America and, and the US. Um, but it uses the fourth state of matter, plasma, which is becoming sort of popular also in the, yeah. you know, facial aesthetic field. Yeah. Um, and it's it's basically ionized particles that pass through an electromagnetic field and they give off heat um, and tends to be very safe. The, the, the reports of burns are, from my understanding, uh, far and few between. It's a very localized uh heat source for want of a better word if it's not heat it's plasma and so we've we've had the machine probably for about four or five months now we're just playing around with what who we feel are suitable people candidates mm. to help further tighten the skin on top of the vasor so around the world it's being used in conjunction with the vasor so um for people who have really loose skin we might have an alternative for them what does it look like and how does it work hmm. so it, it looks it's it's very similar to the to the vase and it has got under the skin. Yes, and then you've got this little red rod that sort of that you taut the skin up. You need to taut it to really, and you see the sort of skin sort of contracting as it happens. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so look, I don't, I can't, I can't say I know who it's most useful for or mm. who. Uh, so we're just 
we're, you know, we're trialing. at the moment we're trialing it and um, hopefully we'll have an answer to that in the next six months or so. Mm. But uh, I think that's sort of the toy that we're going to be playing with this year to see if we can further improve our results, particularly in people who have loose skin. Yeah. So what would your advice be to prospective patients out there or people in general who are considering some form of body contouring, whether it be lipo or fat injections or cool scalp, what would your advice be to them? Yeah, I think you've got to be ready for the, the downtime because, you know, there is a week or two of downtime. You've got to uh, understand the, the expectations and the complications uh, in the procedure and have a, have a, a long a prolonged discussion with your surgeon. Make sure you feel comfortable with him. Um, or her, yeah. Yeah, or her. Sexist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think... Um, I think it's it's important that you feel comfortable with your surgeon and you know, in life, doesn't matter how good you are, things can ultimately go wrong. So yeah. you just got to be make sure that you, you feel comfortable with the surgeon and he's going to take care of you if things do go wrong. Yeah. And I think that's a really important um, point that, that everyone needs to remember is that at the end of the day, we're all human, that despite all the training that you may have, every precaution or safety measure that you may put in place or, or, or adhere to, things can go wrong um, and to be prepared for for complications yeah. and, and, I, to work, I, and to work with your doctor hmm. in making it better. And yeah. I, I often say a patient no based on the fact that I know that they can't cope with that complication if it were to happen, mm. right? And So you're doing like a psychological assessment. Well, much, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things you've got to be, you know, can that patient cope with it if, mm. if it were to happen to them? Yeah, for sure. We, um, David and I were just talking earlier, our podcast, we, we can see that it's now sort of gone global to some extent. We've got listeners in Europe and States and India and Scandinavia. What um, advice would you give for, say, prospective doctors or, or maybe even nurses who want to get into the cosmetic industry? Is there, I mean, you said there's no formal path. So, mm. you know, where would a trained doctor go next? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, hard, it's, it? it's hard. It's a hard question. Um, yeah, I think um, Jake, you know, asks, can, Jake asks all the difficult questions. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, if you're not a plastics, if you're not a plastics, choose one procedure and try and to do it really well and spend yeah. a lot of time with someone that is a really good expert at that procedure. Yeah. Um, whether it's liposuction or some other procedure, like a mentor like maybe yourself or yeah, I mean, we we went with liposuction because you know, yeah, aesthetically, I I saw what I was doing in the face was what you could do with the body. Um. And, um, like, I think that it was something that I felt that a lot of the plastic surgeons weren't interested in, you know, it was tedious process as David described. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, that's how I got experience it. Cause they didn't want to do it. They said, here you go. Yeah. You just sit there for half an hour, just doing that back and forth. Yeah. Call us when you've got and Jake's 50 like, I can do that motion. I've had lots of practice. <laughs> but it was invented by a dermatologist. You see. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the two mess in anesthesia was for liposuction. The, the form of suction was actually invented by an Italian GP in Rome in 1974. What the hell was he doing? <laughs> he, his father, I think <laughs> one of them was a, it was a father and son team. One of them was a gynecologist and the other one was GP based. Yeah. And yeah, his name is Giorgio Feischer in 1974. So the actual, uh, the actual suctioning process was, uh, was, was, was not a plastics. Um, the dermatologist invented the term anesthesia. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, I think, um, there's more to it than just standing there and suctioning. Um, of course, yeah. You know, there's there is an art form yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. But initially, when I started, yeah, that's 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 what it sort of seemed to be. But um, mm. yeah. um, okay. So, how would a prospective patient contact you guys, and and what are your 
you know, where are you based? Yeah, so we're, we're based in, in, in Sydney, in Double Bay, in Canberra, Adelaide and the Gold Coast, um, and hopefully Melbourne soon. And um, you yeah, can find us on, on our website, cosmosclinic.com.au, um, or on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That um, discussion on body contouring, it is a, it's a big topic, no pun intended, but it is, it's something that I think everyone has probably thought about or will think about at some stage of their life. So hopefully this will be useful information for, for people out there. Absolutely. And if you've got any more questions, just um, harass Dr. Ajaka at the details he just gave, he Thanks, just gave you. Thank you. Interesting Thank discussion. You. Thanks, Jason. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye.